Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Will you stand? We're so glad that you're here. Let's worship together. Soul on fire. one of my very favorite songs. Ron, y'all killed it, brother. So good. Love it. Good morning. Welcome to Kavanaugh Church. How we doing? I love being in God's house because it reminds me of why I'm really here on this earth. It gets my focus right. It puts my eyes on Jesus. Today, we're going to put our eyes on our Savior. We're going to give him praise and glory and honor. We're so glad you joined with us today. If you're new, if you're checking out Kavanaugh, hey, welcome. And we want to meet you after service. So in our Welcome Center, you'll see a Connect counter. Please stop by there. We've got a Chick-fil-A gift card for you, okay? So that's a real good deal. So stop by, and we'll try to answer any questions that you might have about the church, okay? Uh, again, it's going to be an awesome day. We're glad you're here. Would you guys stand with me? And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you, and it's a privilege to be in your house today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your amazing love for us, Lord. Help us to be souls on fire. Help us, Lord, to be passionate for you, to know you as Savior, and to share you with this world. May you be glorified in all that is done today, Lord. And we give you praise and glory and honor, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you turn around and welcome those near you this morning?
29 verse 2 says, Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And Psalm 115 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be all the glory for your unfailing love and for your faithfulness. Let's sing praise to the one who is worthy this morning.
is due to your name. May all the work of your hands, all of us that you have created in your image, Father, worship you this morning and give you the praise. May we be filled with wonder and awe of who you are, your majesty, and of your holiness. Let every breath that is within us praise you, praise the blessed name of Jesus our Savior. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Give them a big hand, man. We appreciate their ministry and all they do in preparing to lead us in worship. Everybody good? Okay, how many of y'all are into March Madness? How many, how many of y'all filled out a bracket? How many still have a perfect bracket right now? Isn't it crazy? That's why they call it March Madness, because uh, teams that are ranked number 16 in the tournament are beating number one teams. And Eighth-ranked teams are beating number one teams. So if you're a Hog fan, you know what I'm talking about. Man, how many of y'all watched that game yesterday? Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that great? I don't know what it was like in your house, but it was chaotic in my house, and it was only Angie and I there. And I, I'm telling you, that girl never sat down. She was a praise and worship leader right in front of the TV that whole game. And, and I told her at the end, I know I know why Arkansas won. She said, well, why is that? And I said, because number one, your mama, Grandma Peggy, is in heaven, and she went and asked a favor of the Lord. And number two, you were, you were rooting so hard for them, they, they just had to win. Wasn't that great, though? And you, you know it's a big victory because at the end, isn't Muss a great coach? Isn't he great? When he rips that shirt off and starts waving it around, you know it was a big win. Did y'all see that? He was going like that. (laughs) Nichols, it made me wonder, what would have to happen in here for me to rip my shirt off? I I have a feeling we're never going to know the answer to that. Hey, I'm preaching on spiritual gifts, and today I'm going to do something a little different. I've been talking about spiritual gifts in general because in your C groups, you're studying, understanding your spiritual gift. And so we've talked in general about spiritual gifts and everybody who is a believer has one. Today, I specifically want to identify one of the spiritual gifts. There are about 20 of them listed in the New Testament. And today we're gonna dive directly in and look at one particular gift called showing mercy, okay? It's all about mercy givers. Now, this is not our passage we're going to look at, but how many of y'all know the story of the Good Samaritan? You know something about that story? It's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. There was an expert in the, of the law, a lawyer, who is not like a lawyer today, but an expert in the Old Testament law, who approached Jesus one day and said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Again, we don't know the motivation behind his question, but it's a pretty good question. What do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you're an expert in the law. You you know the book. You know the Old Testament. What does the book say? To which the expert in the law said, well, the Bible says you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And secondly, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, ding, ding, ding. Right answer, you you answered correctly. And then the Bible goes on to say this expert in the law wanting to maybe exalt himself or prove how pious he was, asked Jesus a second question. Okay, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Again, I don't know the motivation behind his question, who is my neighbor? But Kenan, I'm glad he asked Jesus that question because it allowed our Lord to give us the parable 
of the Good Samaritan. He said one day there was a man going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. That is about a half of a mile descent over 18 miles in length. It's a very desert type road. There are bandits and thieves who live in those mountainous uh, caverns around there. And if you traveled solo down that road, there was a pretty good chance you were going to get robbed. All right, And so here's this solo man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Sure enough, some bandits hit him up. They stole all of his money, and they, they, they literally beat the snot out of him. All right? They left him bleeding with open wounds on the side of the road, and they left him for dead. Soon after that, a priest walked by. Now, a priest would be is a Jewish priest, so he would be kind of equivalent to a, a preacher today. And the Bible says as he walked by, he went to the other side of the road and passed this man. Maybe he saw that there was a pool of blood there. He didn't know if the guy was still alive or dead. And if he was going to do his priestly duties, under the law, he could not touch the man because he would become ceremoniously unclean. So for various reasons, whatever they were, he just bypassed the man and kept walking. Not long after that, a Levite came by. Now, the Levites in the Old Testament were, were kind of the keepers of the religious way. Uh, today, a equivalent would be maybe a board member in a church or a deacon in a church or a Sunday school teacher. But you know what? They did the same thing. Instead of stopping and giving aid to this man who was hurt, they just walked by and kept on going. The third person who stopped or came by was a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were half-breeds. The, the priests and the Levites could not stand Samaritans because they were unclean themselves. But this guy stopped. He pulled the guy over and turned him around and saw that he was hurt. He poured water and wine into the wounds, bandaged him up as good as he could. Then he picked the man up, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, continued to take care of him, and the next morning gave the innkeeper two denarii and said, if this is not enough to help this man until he is well, you go ahead and do whatever is necessary, and the next time I'm through, I will pay you what I owe you. And after telling the story, Jesus looked at the expert of the law and said, which was a neighbor to the hurt man? To which the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Now hang on to that story because we're going to come back to it. In fact, I'm going to use it right now as an illustration. There was a research group who, was, who were studying ministries in the church, and they decided to do some research on seminary students to see if seminary students really practiced what they preached if they were good Samaritans. So they went to one major theological seminary in the United States. Have y'all heard that term seminary before? Don't get it mixed up with cemetery. They're two different things. A seminary is a graduate school if you are in ministry. So like for me, for example, I went to Hillsdale College and received my bachelor's in theology, and then I went from there to seminary and spent another four years receiving a Master of Divinity degree. The only people who are in seminary are people who are called by God to do ministry in a church. So it's, it's pastors, it's worship leaders, it's those involved in, in missions. If, if you are going to do professional ministry, it's a pretty good idea for you to go to seminary, okay? So this research group was doing a study on these seminarians, and they passed out flyers on this big theological seminary campus, and they received 40 volunteers. 40 kids came. I think they were getting a little compensation for coming, and you know how students are. They always need a little bit of this. So 40 of them gathered in the room, and the researchers said, okay, what we're studying are career choices in ministry, and what we would like for you to do is to give a five-minute dissertation on your specific field of ministry, and half of them were signed up to do that, the other half were asked to spend five minutes discussing the parable of the Good Samaritan and how that related to ministry. And the instructions were this. You are to go individually to an adjacent building and do your five-minute recording. So each one of them would go individually across this courtyard, down a sidewalk, into another building to record their five-minute dissertation. 
What the students didn't know is that this research group hired an actor who was on the sidewalk. And when they saw, uh, the actor saw a seminary student approaching, they would fake a heart attack. They would act like they were having a heart attack and fall over just to see the response of the seminary student. I bet you're wondering what they did. Over half of them just kept right on walking and totally ignored the victim, the person who was having the so-called heart attack. According to the researchers, some who were planning their dissertation on the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the slumped body as they hurried along. Now, what can can we conclude from a story like that? I think two things. Number one, there is a big difference between talking about the Good Samaritan and being a Good Samaritan. Huge difference. I think the second thing that we can learn from that is that most seminary students are not a whole lot different from people in a regular congregation. Because chances are most of us, at least half of us, would have done the same thing and just walked right on by. But the point this morning is not about the people who walked by. Rather, my point this morning is the people who stopped. They, that small select group of truly good Samaritans, they are the focus of the message this morning. What makes some people stop while others just keep on walking? Well, the answer may surprise you. Perhaps they are in that small group of believers who have been given the special spiritual gift of showing mercy. That's right. Showing mercy is not just a command of Scripture. It is also a spiritual gift. And some people right here in this congregation have been given the spiritual gift of showing mercy. The rest of us, we don't have that gift. The people who have it, they will stop every time. It's a guarantee you can count on it. And this morning, we're going to talk about the spiritual gift of showing mercy, what it is, how it works, and some practical ways you can use that gift for the Lord. Before I do that, let me give you a definition of spiritual gifts. This is for all the gifts inclusive. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability which enables the believer to effectively serve the body of Christ. You remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the moment you're saved, that moment when you pray and invite Jesus into your heart. God gives you four gifts when you're saved. First, the gift of forgiveness. Thank God for his forgiveness, amen? When you repent of your sins and ask Jesus into your heart, he forgives you. He wipes the slate clean. None of those past sins are going to be held against you at that moment or in the future. God forgives How about a big amen for forgiveness? And when he forgives you, he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. That's the second gift. You receive eternal life. If you invite Jesus into your heart and are saved, when you die, you don't go to hell, you go to heaven. What a gift. The third gift that he gives you the moment you're saved is his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. Our God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God. The Holy Spirit moves into your life. He doesn't just walk beside you or behind you or in front of you. He's inside of you, guiding you and directing you and helping you when you pray and convicting you when you do wrong. What a gift, God living inside of you. And the fourth gift is that the Holy Spirit in turn gives you a spiritual gift. Immediately when you're saved, you are given this special ability that perhaps you didn't have beforehand. In fact, I know you didn't have it beforehand because it is a gift he gives you, that ability to do something in the body of Christ, to edify the church and help other believers. That's what a spiritual gift is. And if you are saved, you've got at least one spiritual gift. With that in mind, let us turn our attention to this spiritual gift we're going to talk about today, showing mercy. There is only one reference to this gift in the Bible. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. But for context, let me back up and start reading in verse number 6. 
Here's what Paul says. We have different gifts. All of us have a different gift according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then you are to do that diligently. And if it is to show mercy, that's the gift we're going to talk about today. How are we to do that? Come on, that didn't sound very cheerful. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. I believe that you would agree with me, this is a gift that is desperately needed today. Ours is not a merciful world. There is brutality, there is neglect, there is abuse on every hand. And church, we need more mercy givers in our world today. And we need more mercy-given churches in our world today. Mercy in the biblical sense is compassion for those in need. It is compassion in action. It is this deep desire to help other people which moves from emotion to decision to action. You see a need, you feel a burden, and then you do something about it. You know what? Mercy is one of those qualities of God. Mercy is a characteristic of God. In fact, in Deuteronomy 4.31, it talks about our merciful God. If God is anything, He's a God of mercy. Titus 3.5 says that God saved us according to His great mercy. Ephesians 2.4 tells us that God is rich in mercy. He's a mercy-given Savior. Eric, you hearing me? He's a mercy-given Savior. Eric has this ability. He's, he's our guitar player, bass player. He has this ability to take rock and roll songs because we grew up in the same period, listened to all that rock music together. But he takes these rock songs and puts Christian lyrics to them. And one of them, you do, mercy-given Savior. I've heard you sing it before. Is it Santana? I knew it was a Santana song. Y'all have to go back and listen to Santana and figure out which song I'm talking about. Mercy given Savior. But, but besides, let me just do a little pause right here and say there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, throughout the history of the church, you know what they did? Even back in the 17 and 1800s, they would take barroom music, music that were pl played in taverns and bars because people knew the beat, they knew the thump of it. They would take those melodies, that music, and put Christian lyrics to it. So a lot of the great old hymns that we sing that we think are, are so majestic came from bars. Mercy given Savior. Our God is a merciful God. That's one of his qualities and characteristics. And to add to that, it should be a characteristic of every Christian. If you are a Christian, you should show mercy. In fact, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So there is a sense in which all of us as believers are to be mercy givers, remembering that to be merciful literally means merciful. That is, you are full of mercy. But what exactly is the spiritual gift of showing mercy? Well, I've come up with a definition based on our definition of spiritual gifts. Here is the definition of the spiritual gift of showing mercy. The spiritual gift of showing mercy is that special ability God gives to certain members in the body of Christ, which enables them to see human needs and to move in such a way as to meet those needs in a compassionate and cheerful way. Now, all of us are to be merciful. Look at your neighbor and say, you're to be merciful. You're, you're to show mercy. You're not doing it. Say, say to somebody, you need to show more mercy. But God gives to certain Christians this unusual ability in this area. And this gift enables those who have it to do three things. Number one, they see needs around them. 
instinctively. It is a divine dynamic going on inside of them, and it's the Holy Spirit showing them needs around them. The second thing is this. They feel compassion for those who have needs. They don't just see the need. They feel deeply for those who are in need. And thirdly, they move to meet those needs. So they see the need. They feel compassion. And then they do something about it. Note, if you will, the qualifier Paul puts on this gift. He says those who have the gift of showing mercy should do it with cheerfulness. When I say that word, I just have to smile. So say it with me, cheerfulness. I see the smile on your face. Isn't that great? The Greek word is the root from which we get our English word hilarious from. A good translation would be with joyful eagerness. When we use this gift, it is with joyful eagerness. Now, all of us in this room have had this experience happen in our life. Something bad happened to us. Some, something really bad's happened in our family, and, and I mean, we're, we're broken, we're, we're depressed, we're hurting. And so a friend hears about it, and they come over to the house to, to cheer us up. But you know what? When they leave, we are more depressed than before they came because they didn't bring joy or cheerfulness or mercy. Mercy given cheerfully is like a sunbeam that is breaking into your heart. It drives all the clouds and all the darkness away. And someone who truly has this gift of showing mercy can do that. And let me frankly say that no gift is more needed than mercy given today. There are so many hurting people in our world. And if you started right here in our church at the 1030 service, and if we dared to tell the truth, you would find a world of hurt behind our smiling faces. Behind almost every door is a story of sorrow and disappointment. You name a human problem, you can find somebody in our church struggling with that problem if you look long enough. What kind of problems am I talking about? Well, stuff like divorce and abuse and incest and neglect and homosexuality and AIDS and alcohol and suicide and drugs and wayward children and alcoholic parents and abortion and depression. And the list goes on and on and on. It's all there. And if it's not in your life, let me tell you, you know somebody who's experiencing some kind of hurt like that. That's why God gave certain believers this gift of mercy. They have a special ability to see the needs of other people. Their, their hearts are easily touched, and they instinctively reach out to those people who are hurting. They lead the rest of us and guide us in reaching out to people that we might typically overlook. They understand the language of the heart, and they can see past someone's casual smile. Their greatest joy is to lift the burden from someone struggling under a load. They love to work one-on-one. -on -one. They don't want to be paid for their ministry, and they're not looking for publicity. They are God's unsung heroes. So would you join with me, and let's just applaud mercy givers right now. Thank God for mercy givers. Given that explanation, I think it's easy to see those who are on the receiving end of the gift of mercy, hurting people, the helpless, the blind, the deaf, the sick, the elderly, the handicapped, the dysfunctional, the shut-ins, the grieving, the imprisoned, the suffering, the weak, and all of those who are emotionally distraught. But you know what? They are the very people we tend to overlook because they exist on the fringe of life. They don't fit into the pattern of being healthy and happy and having it all together. And it's easy for us to skip them, just to step over them as we live our life. But you know what? The mercy givers stop because they can see what the rest of us miss. Let me say again, thank God for mercy givers. So how do you spot a mercy giver? How do you know if somebody has this gift? How do you know if you've got this gift? 
Well, I made a really long list, but I, I, I had to narrow it down. I, I came up with 10 good clues. Number one, they are the first people that you call when you're hurting. They make people feel better just by their presence. Number three, they, they don't mind spending hours behind the scenes helping people because that's what they do. Number four, they have lots of prayer requests because they know all the hurting people in the church. <laughs> Number five, they are the first to go sit with the grieving and the first to congratulate someone in their success. Number six, they have the innate ability to sense when others are going through a hard time. Seven, they are well-liked in the congregation because people are attracted to their genuine compassion. Number eight, they are quite willing to sacrifice their own time and energy to help other people because that's their DNA. Number nine, they are easy to talk to and generally make pretty good listeners. And number 10, they put the needs of people above the needs of the organization. Thank God for mercy givers. Really, when you break it down, I think there are three levels of response to the needs that we see in people's lives around us. Level one is to say, you know, I, I see the need and I see how bad it is, and thank God that ain't me. Level two is to say, I see the need and it hurts me to see it, but we don't do anything about it. Level three says, I see the need, it hurts me, and I'm going to do something about it. And people who live on level three are mercy-giving people. Or to put it another way, I find most of us fit into one of three categories in the church. First, there are those people in this church who really don't see needs. They're oblivious to needs until somebody points it out to them. And they say, oh, okay, I, I get that, I see that. Second, there are those people who see the need, but they don't do anything about it. They, they wait to be asked to get involved. And then thirdly, there are those who see the need and they get involved without waiting to be asked because they have compassion for those who are hurting. This too is the gift of mercy. And thank God for mercy givers. There are several good examples of mercy given people in the Bible. Maybe the clearest is a man you, you have never heard of. His name is Onesiphorus. I think you haven't heard because we don't say the name Onesiphorus very often. Have you ever met Brother Onesiphorus? I call him Oni because I have a hard time saying Onesiphorus. His story is found in three verses in 2 Timothy chapter 1. In this passage, Paul is in Rome, he is in jail. He is awaiting trial. Eventually, he's going to be beheaded. Evidently, some of the Christians in Rome felt ashamed that their preacher, an apostle, would wind up in jail, and so they found ways to conveniently ignore him. But one man wasn't ashamed at all. In fact, he specifically went to Rome looking for Paul, and he searched Paul out, and he ministered to Paul. Here's how Paul responded to Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. So Onesiphorus had the gift of mercy. Incidentally, his name loosely translated means mercy bringer, the bringer of mercy. Paul is so grateful for his ministry that he prays the mercy bringer will find mercy from the Lord himself. And that's how mercy people work. They see people the rest of us can't see or won't see, and they go out of their way to help the needy, and they aren't the least bit ashamed to do so. Now, I've met a few people like Onesiphorus in my life. I've met some mercy-given people. What a blessing they are. What a blessing. A few weeks ago, I told you the, the story of what happened to my wife's family when she was only nine years old. This happened back in 1972. 
Her dad, Glendale Archer, was a deputy sheriff in Clay County, Arkansas. He and the sheriff and another deputy were called out to a man's home, his farm, for a domestic disturbance. The man was waiting in a barn, opened fire on the sheriff and the two deputies and killed all three of them. I think it happened on a Saturday morning. That Saturday morning, the Archer family was wrought. Can you imagine the devastation that Angie's mother, Peggy, experienced that day when her husband was murdered? It left her with five kids. Three of them were in elementary school. The, the two older were in junior high and high school. I, I talked to Peggy about this on several occasions, and, and she told me that for days, for weeks, for even months, it was difficult for her to even function. Thank God for mercy-given people. Dorothy and Varney were in Angie's home church, a husband and wife, a couple who saw the need. They were moved with compassion, and they did something about it. For almost a year, I mean, it was a long time, maybe a, a pretty close to an entire year, Dorothy and Varney literally moved into the Archer household. They would come every morning, get the kids ready for school, send them off to school. They would go do their jobs, and then after work, they would come back to the Archer home, fix supper, make sure the kids did their homework, got them to bed. And on the weekends, they would take, especially the younger three, Candy, Angie, and Kelly, and they would try to go out and do something fun. Many times, Angie said, they would take them over to their house for sleepovers, through the weekend. This went on for almost a year. Now, what makes a person do something like that? Well, I can tell you this for, for Dorothy and Vernius because they had the gift, the spiritual gift of showing mercy. And they saw the need, they were moved with compassion, and they did something about it. Mercy is, is simply seeing a human need, whether it's big or small, happy or sad, humorous or serious, and being moved to meet that need with whatever is required at the moment. If it means moving in overnight with someone or taking care of someone for an entire year, you do it. Mercy is seeing a need and moving to meet that need in a compassionate way. Thank God for mercy-given people. Because look at me, at some point in your life, you're going to need some mercy. How might this gift be used to serve the Lord today? Well, the, the number of ways is almost infinite because the number of human needs is almost infinite. I had a list going of 30 things and I had to whittle it down because I'm, you, you can't absorb 30 things, so thank me for that. Thank, thank you, Pastor. I whittled it down to 12, 12 ministries, 12 things you can do. That, but again, the, the list is inf infinite. Number one, you could visit sick people. If you've got this gift of mercy, you see a need, you want to help that need, you, you go visit sick people. You know, in, in a church our size, every week we got somebody sick. And it's kind of a rotating list. Some people get well, some people go on to, the, to be with the Lord, but there's always new people who are sick. We need help as the pastoral staff ministering to those people. And if you've got this gift, what a great ministry to go to the hospital or someone's home who is sick and help them. Number two, serving meals at Hope Campus. This, this is a campus here in, in Fort Smith that helps homeless people. We have a ministry there. In fact, there's a, there's a team of people from Kavanaugh who go several times a month and feed hurting people. You could get involved in that. Or maybe helping in our own food bank. You drive by here on Monday mornings and you will see a long line of people pulling through our campus. We're giving them not only food, but we're giving them hope. It's not just a one-day ministry. Feeding the homeless is something that happens week-long in this church. You could get involved in that. Number four, providing transportation for those who don't have a car. Number five, being a greeter on Sunday morning. You say, what, what would that do if I'm a mercy giver? Well, if you're a greeter, God shows you hurting people. And what better way to see hurting people than as you greet them coming into the Lord's house? Maybe visiting shut-ins, 
writing cards and letters to those who are hurting. Maybe it's becoming a big brother or a big sister to a needy child. How about number nine, offering to clean somebody's home or my office? <laughs> number 10, being a part of adoptive missionary, which, which comes up in December. Or how about this, volunteering time at the young home? Thank God for the young home, Deborah. I mean, this is a free will Baptist institution right here in the River Valley uh, over in, at Fort Chaffee, and, and it is a home that helps those children who have no home. And Deborah, raise your hand, Deborah. Deborah runs that home. And, and what, a, what a great way if you have this gift of showing mercy to, to volunteer at the young home. See, Deborah, she'll sign you up. Or how about this, caring for the widows of the church? And guys, that, that is just a beginning. Blessed is the church filled with mercy givers who are released to use their gift to help other people. That church is blessed and will be blessed and it will grow because the number one question people have is this, does your church care for me? And God gave us gifted mercy givers in order that we might be able to answer that question with a resounding, yes, we care for you. Now remember, not everybody has that gift. Over half of you in this church don't have that gift. I'm honest, I don't have the gift of showing mercy. But, but that's okay. We have our spiritual gift, and, and we need to be using our gifts together, but it is incumbent upon all of us to support mercy-giving people, to make sure they are released for hands-on ministry to pat them on the shoulder, to encourage them to say, go, you mercy-given person. Remember that story of the Good Samaritan? Who passed by on the other side? Who, who walked by without giving aid to that person who was hurt? A priest and a Levite. It was the religious people. Did you get that? It was the church people who didn't have time or didn't care or were afraid to get involved? And who was it that actually stopped and helped? Come on, say it. A Samaritan, a hated half-breed, a man that the priest and the Levite despised. It was he who saw the man and took pity on him. It was the Samaritan who bandaged his wounds, who poured on the oil and wine, who put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn and paid for his room out of his own pocket. Listen to me. Unfortunately, far too often, we get so wrapped up with ourselves that we don't even see the needs in the lives of the people around us. Or if we do see those needs, we just simply turn and walk the other way. But thank God, it doesn't have to be that way. Who is my neighbor, the lawyer asked. And it gave Jesus this great opportunity to tell this wonderful story. Then when he got through, Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber. And the lawyer answered, well, the one who showed mercy to him. And here's what Jesus said, go and do likewise. So who is my neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Well, my neighbor is anyone in need. Anybody who crosses my path whose need I am able to meet. And that's pretty simple, isn't it? Mercy is nothing more than meeting the needs of those around me with the resources God has given to me. Mercy is not an organization. Mercy is not a program. It is people who see a need, who are moved with compassion, and they do something to meet that need. Do it with me again. Let's thank God for mercy givers. Thank you. And if you have that gift, here's what I challenge you to do. 
when we have the invitation, just come down and lay that gift at the altar and say, Lord, thank you for giving me this spiritual gift of showing mercy. Help me to use that gift to make the church stronger and to help people in need. You know what? If, if you give God your gift back, he's going to use you in a great way in his kingdom, and you're going to become a blessing to people who are hurting. But listen to me. Listen to me. If you don't have that gift of showing mercy, you're not off scot-free. Because if you're a Christian, you are to be merciful. Now, I told you a while ago, I don't have this gift. In, in fact, I don't, know, I don't know what it is. I, I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes my, my heart can get pretty hard because I've been burned by so many people who supposedly were hurting people, but they really weren't. They were scam artists. And so sometimes I'm just real skeptic when I see people who are in need or hurting. I've been praying lately, really praying, Lord, soften my heart. I don't want to be that way. Because you know what? Every day God brings people into my life that I can help. Even if I don't have the gift of mercy, I can help. I have a mercy-given Savior, Eric. I need to be giving that mercy away. So if you're like me and you don't have the gift, why, why don't you come down and join me at the altar today and let's just pray and ask God to make us more merciful. Because look at, look at me, look at me. One of these days you're going to need mercy. I know this guy who's very legalistic, very hard-nosed, zero mercy. He's got a son who has just recently gone through something that he has been so legalistically against his whole life and his ministry. He's a preacher. And I told Angie yesterday, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if his tune changes any. Because now somebody in his own life needs mercy that he's been unwilling to give other people. I wonder if he's going to give it to his son. Are you following what I'm saying? It's going to come back to you one day, guys. You're going to need mercy. So why don't you become a mercy giver? Just come to the altar and say, Lord, help me this week to be a mercy giver. Help me to give mercy to someone who needs it. And then I'm going to shut down and land this plane by saying to you, thank God for a mercy-given God. He's a mercy-given Savior. Thank God for that. Because you know what? More than anything, more than anything, you need his mercy. Have you received his grace, forgiveness, and mercy? When you pray the prayer, he gives you four gifts. Forgiveness. Have you repented of your sins? It's not hard to do. You just come to the altar and say a simple prayer. Jesus, forgive me. I believe you're the Savior of the world. Come into my heart. And if you repent, he will forgive. You need that gift in your life if you want eternal life. So if you've never prayed the prayer and invited Jesus into your heart, come and receive grace, forgiveness, and mercy from our mercy-given Savior today. Heavenly Father, would you please move in this service as, as we open up our altars for people to come and pray. I pray that they would freely come. Lord, may the Spirit move in this place. I pray that those who need to be saved would come and pray the prayer of repentance I pray those of us who don't have the gift of mercy would come and pray that you help us be merciful. For those who have that gift, may they come and dedicate their gift to you. And dear Lord, maybe for the rest of us who are in this room who need some mercy, may we come and receive it at the altar today. Have your way in our lives and may you be glorified, honored, and praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. I know Jesus is talking to you. As the praise team sings, would you just come and pray? Altars are open. We'll have somebody come pray with you if you want them to. Come and pray right now as God moves in your heart. Come on.
Jesus, we do love you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, dear Jesus, for being a merciful, compassionate Savior. Thank you for helping hurting people. Dear Lord, we need that mercy in our lives today, and many have come and prayed for it. Lord, for those who you have given the spiritual gift of showing mercy to, may they be released to go and use that gift for the glory of God and the edification of the church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us and being so good to us. Help us to be a good witness for you in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a moment. I'd just like to say one more time, if you're a mercy giver, thank you. Thank you for giving mercy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Y'all need to work on your clapping abilities as we progress. I truly am thankful for those who show mercy. When you walk out of the room, if you're a member of Kavanaugh Church, please put your offering in one of those black boxes. We would appreciate it. We have C groups still meeting uh, today and throughout this week. Get hooked up with a C group. Wednesday night, we have services for all age groups, classes for everyone, but in here, in the adult service, we're going to have a special mission service. Recently, we had two groups go to Puerto Rico to do ministry. They're going to be giving a report, and it's going to be awesome, so show up for that. We are updating our directory. In fact, uh, in your seat, and I forgot to bring my little card in. Somebody hold up one of those cards right there. They're in every other seat right there. Hold up a card. Fill that card out, it's, it's updating your information for our computer system, and then take it outside this door where our information booth used to be, there's a screen set up there, and Wes is out there taking pictures. We're making a new directory. And so this week and the next two weeks, we're taking pictures before and after service. We want you in the directory, all right? So please don't abandon us. Please don't not get your picture made because when it comes to your name in the directory, I want to see your smiling face. Boy, y'all are a tough crowd. So please get your picture made. We would appreciate it so much. Men's prayer breakfast. That's going to happen this Saturday, I think 7.30 a.m. going to be a great time. Are y'all okay? You know I worry about you. Hope you have a great day. Please stay out of trouble.